Hello and welcome. My name is Mark Blatstein, the physician founder of Physician Pre-Sentence Report Service. Today, I'm going to review with you the pre-sentence report, which is also known as the inmate's Bible because it controls your future. And it is developed all from information that you provide with your attorney to the court's representative, the probation officer. Today is May 29th, and it is 2023 Memorial Day. So while we're remembering those that have served and have passed on, there is one program, and I'm going to share the computer screen with you now as we go forward. See if I can do this correctly. Bear with me here. Got this right. And there we go. And so, as an introduction, it's Physician Presents Report Service. For all this information, you can go right to my website on your own. But for veterans, should you unfortunately find yourself on the wrong side of the legal tracks, if you will, FCI Morgantown actually has a wing. It's the only facility in the country dedicated where veterans live together. And you train service guides, service guide dogs for other veterans who have either PTSD or have other disabilities. And so you actually learn how to train these dogs so that you have a skill for when you leave federal prison. But it's actually being around dogs, which I've been pretty much all my life. And so it's a great, it's a great environment if you have to be in prison to be able to do that. There's no guarantee that you're either going to be able to get to Morgantown or if you get there, that you'll be able to get into that program. But I'm, I don't know that all attorneys across the country even know that this exists, but it's only one, one satellite camp out of all the prisons in the country that has one bed, one wing. And I don't know, maybe there's 25 or 35 beds on the wing, but it's just for veterans. So it's just an FYI for those of you who either are veterans or if you're attorneys that know of veterans, you know, other attorneys that have veterans as clients. But we're going to jump now into the, the importance of the pre-sentence report. And I spent, I spent a lot of time. This is an article, the availability and treatment the availability of treatment and rehabilitation or the critical role of the pre-sentence report. And I bring this up because, and we will see this load because I was a co-author 
This was written back in 20, December 2021, and it goes through mostly all the medical components of the pre-sentence report. But the pre-sentence report covers everything. And so its accuracy and completeness cannot be overstated. And it is my hope that by the time that you are done listening to the YouTubes that I have out there, to reviewing the website, that you have, as you have your attorney, you have established a relationship or poor with your attorney so that there's some sort of accountability between both of you. Um and that you've taken to heart what I'm about to review with you, because accuracy and completeness cannot be overstated. And the goal, the goal of what I'm going to try and share with you is that while my medical license now is active, and I've been overall in practice for over 30 years, 32, 32 years maybe, in, about 20 years ago, I too was convicted of a felony. And I was blindsided. I was a basket case. I was not a great client. <clears throat> and I accepted responsibility. And as I said, I was not the best of client because I was a deer in headlights. I thought this was all a big mistake. But I was not prepared. I was not prepared for preparation for the sentencing hearing, for the pre-sentence interview, for going into, into prison. And so while I was grateful to get my license restored in 2010, I transitioned from private practice into doing, to working with all of you because preparation for everything here is key. And from at least where I come from, from my schooling, being prepared, I thought is a core value. And so being prepared for your pre-sentence interview, for me, in hindsight, means that all the information that I'm going to go through with you should be provided through your attorney to your probation officer two to three weeks before your interview. They should have all this information. And hopefully, by the date of your guilty by your guilty verdict date, be it trial or plea. And that by between that date and the date of your sentencing hearing, you should have several months to pull all this together. Um, whether it's a drug crime, whether, whether it's your, your, your business, you need time to get your affairs in order. Um, whether for me, it was, I had my own practice. Whether you have, may have your own business. You may be a corporate type, whatever it is, but in getting all of your information together about what I'm going to go over with you today, and this is just a small, narrow, um, narrowed window opening into this small part. There's a whole lot more through the website and through my YouTubes and what you can find out online, but you have to get all of this complete and accurate to your attorney and then to, into the probation officer before you meet so that they can get all this information entered into their probation report. So by the time you meet, 
they're not rushed to get all this information out of you and you're not rushed to make to get it to them mostly accurate here at least you have time to make sure it's proofed and accurate and they have time to casually have a conversation with you and get to know you on a more personal level because they're going to pass on all this information draft the draft the pre-sentence report and then talk to the judge and recommend your sentence to the judge and so they may by having a personal conversation with you that may be your opportunity to in turn create a better first impression and so this impacts and we'll follow my mouse here it, your release date you it will include you accepting responsibility acknowledging that you created pain for your victims you accept you have remorse for what you've done it's going to impact your security level because your attorney will will know this and also will be able to <clears throat> have that conversation ahead of time with your probation officer, which we'll review towards the end of this YouTube. It will include medical and mental health care needs. So what do I mean by that? I'm going to briefly go through this over here, open another screen that medical care is developed, medical and mental health care is developed or is delivered through four tier, four different care levels. Care level four is 24 7, 365 nursing care. You're in a hospital type setting. Care level one means that, you know, you need limited if no care at all. You know, you may see, you may be seen by medical once a year, twice a year. Care level three means that you're, you're, you need care, but you don't need it all the time. You don't need a 24-7, 365 nursing. You may need outpatient psychiatric care, outpatient nursing care. You may need care without activities of daily living, meaning that you can't take care of yourself. You need help with dressing. Um, you know, you may you may have some dementia uh, type care. You may need help with brushing your teeth, going to the bathroom, that type of thing. You may be a stroke victim, that type of thing. And then care level two is the majority of the population in the country where, you know, you're, you're basically okay and you may be on medications, but you're stable and you can be seen anywhere. You may be seen by medical two times a year, four times a year, something like that. But that is the medical type of requirements. Psychology programs have limited, limited availability. And then there's, First step back, programming, criminogenic needs assessment. What does that mean? Essentially, what that means is that, and we'll go in, I'll go into that in more detail later, but once you get, once you surrender to prison and you get into the actual prison system and you get in front of a TrueLink computer, the very first thing you're going to do is not email your loved ones at home or a friend at home or a girlfriend at home. Find, as you put in your identification numbers that they have provided you, 
find the risk assessment survey for you and take it because through the first act, you can earn time credits towards early release. If you do not take this risk assessment survey and you forget, well, your case managers and unit team, which are going to be basically over you, your camp counselors, if you will, but they're going to be in charge of your unit where you're sleeping or staying. They may not know that you haven't taken the survey, but they're going to be giving you programs to take and you're going to take them as I'm going to instruct you to do, but you're not going to get credit for early release if you haven't taken your survey. And you're going to be probably pretty aggravated at somebody at some point. So take that survey every right away. Here we go. So being prepared, as I've already said, as soon as you arrive with, before you meet with your unit team, as soon as you get in front of the computer, so you want to be prepared. And this is going to be a, a theme I'm going to constantly review with you. And you're going to see here throughout my website, these little YouTubes that some of them are short, one minute, two minutes, five minutes. Some of them may be longer, you know, up to 30 minutes or an hour, but they're meant to give you some more information. This is a risk assessment. <clears throat> these are questions. Some of the, these are questions that you should that you're going to want to present. You, you, you should, how do I explain this? Before you have your pre-sentence interview, you want to have answers to these assessment questions written down. And so, for example, I'm going to open this up. And this is the assessment that you're going to be asked, these questions, once you get into prison. And there is an inmate interview form, self-audit, this one says, this on this page. And this is going to be the staff interview form. And so I'm not sure how they are going to ask this one and how this one is going to be asked. It appears that the staff is going to inter ask this one to you, but I'm not really sure because these were not available to me when I was there. But it seems to me that you should be familiar with these questions before you go to your pre-sentence interview and have answers to these woven into your personal narrative, which I will go into as we go through this YouTube and your re-entry plan, probably better in your re-entry plan as you go into as you go into that as you work as you write your re-entry plan so that you will appear more prepared because your case managers are going to be reading your pre-sentence report and you want to be as prepared as you can be and so they're going to want to you know they're telling you their goal is for you to, to understand your thoughts of identifying your assessments needs well okay and they want to know how familiar are you with the first step back and what is your understanding? What's it supposed to be? Did you learn about it through, your, you know, from a staff member, family, and friends? Well, you can tell them that you were, because you had time to think about, you know, the 
the charges against you and the damage that you've done, pain you inflicted upon your victims, that young, you knew that you had to make a change and you started going online and Googling the first step back. And so you needed to learn. And they want to know, did you take the true links? Well, you better say, yes, you did. And how are you aware of the needs of the first step back? Well, I just gave you that answer. And what did you, what first step back programs are available? I'm going to show you that. And have you completed any of the programs? Well, you initially, if you're just going into prison, the answer is you haven't completed any of them. Now, at this point, there's a staff interview form. They're going to ask you these programs. Are you familiar with the first step back? Similar questions. Now, they may be asking these same questions over and over again, and these answers will change. But here is a li little bit of change. So the first that does the inmate, how does the inmate learn about the their identified needs? Well, here is the program statement. Prosman statements. These are the the Bureau of, Bureau of Prisons. I guess it's their rules, their law about taking the first step back. So we're now going to go into here. And this is the program statement that you can go into. And it gives all the all the rules of the road as to the object the objectives of the first step back needs assessment. And you can go and learn all about that on your own here through the website. But I have all that information here for you to be able to digest on your own. The second link here. This probably will not apply to all of you. That most of you will either be low or minimum. This is for those of you that are high or medium. And these are alter alternative um, incentives. In other words, these, these incentives are not incentives for those working towards early release. These are alternative sentences. For example, it's more phone time. Um, but they have to pay for the phone time. <clears throat> but you can go the same thing. You can click on this here, and it will open up the alternative sentences, the alternative benefits that are available for people who are not able to get. So these are awarding incentives. Incentives. For provides rewards of prisoners to participate in evidence evidence based programs. So their phone and visitation privileges. None of this is um, towards early release, but they may have to pay for it. You know, especially if it's for more time, more phone time, or more time, more commissary privileges. Now we're going to go back. And let me close that. Then for the first, first step back programs, you can see here also through the website, we're going to open this up. And these are all the programs that the first step has available, which constantly gets changed. The so first step back programs, there's that assessment 
survey I talked about. Well, this is a YouTube version of it. This is a PDF question, which you just reviewed. Another YouTube that explains it. And pattern scoring. This is another. There's the risk assessment survey, and then it's pattern. And in the pattern scoring is more hard-coded. And hard-coded means, let's click on that. And this you cannot change. For example, so this is, for example, your age. You can't change that. So if you're over 60, you're luckier. At the time, I was over 60. You know, Walsh conviction, well, this is, you know, children with criminals, children, child child offenses against children. And then this is violent offenses. If it, there are any violent offenses, move this a little bit. There's criminal history points. If that, this have, this is only applies if there, if the, you were prior, this is if you've been in prison before or Again, criminal history escapes. This is for prior history in prison, history of violence in prison, education score. This is now if you're going into prison, if you not enrolled, if you have a GED, then you're great. If you do, if you have a, beyond the GED, then it's even better. Drug program status. Again, all incident reports. If you don't have any, wonderful. But most of this applies to, or half of it applies to it if you've been in prison for a period of time. FRP is financial responsibility plan. You do not want to refuse the responsibility plan. This means that if you have a financial penalty per court order, then you are going to be required or strongly recommended to set up a financial plan to pay back some of the monies monthly in order to participate in the First Step Act. Let's shut this down. And if you don't, then you may not be allowed to earn time credits towards early release. And so that is their carrot and stick, if you will. And so my explanation here is that if you think that if you have a financial penalty and you think you're going to be taking in $1,000 a month or more, offer $200 a month or more to that plan. If you think that you are going to be taking in several hundred dollars a month, offer $25 a month or $50 or $75 a quarter. Do not refuse. Um, your case manager will work with you. At the same time, please do not use your commissary account as a bank because the Department of Justice has multiple articles where they want to get Congress to pass a law where they can swoop in and take 75% of all the money routinely. Right now, they have been known that if you have $10,000, $5,000, you make 
you may arrive with $5,000 in your account on day one and have zero day two. I would not put that kind of money in your account. And once they take it, there's nothing you can do. Colette Peters, which is new, the new director of prisons, actually is a good thing for those that are entering prisons at this point in time. She is the first director of prisons that has not come up through corrections. She came up as through the psychology. She had, That was her major. And so really throughout the system and Congress, while she has a lot on her plate because there is a lot of negative going on within the Federal Bureau of Prisons. She's only just started, and there's a lot for her to do as far as changes go, but nothing is going to happen right away. But, you know, and for those of you who are in prison or going into prison, it's going to be very disappointing and it's going to be very tough at times. And I can just say that you're going to go into prison and there will be staff members that will be impossible to deal with. And there will be others that will be, that will be good to you. Um, and just try and, you know, the only, the only person that you can have control over is yourself. And, that's all I can say. Um, it will take her, her uh, many, it will take her years to write the boat, so to speak. It's not going to happen overnight. As far as if you're going into prison and you have your GED and you don't have college and college, you're not, you want to get a college degree. Well, I mean, right now where it's May 29th, 2023, the Biden administration actually has started this coming July 1st. It's supposed to begin that there is a second chance Pell Grant education uh, for the second chance education where you can get grants for at participating colleges and universities. So if I'll click on this right here and at home, your family can go and begin, you know, clicking on this. They can go online. Uh, you could at home, the same thing, and just begin connecting with these universities and see what the process is. But it's not all universities. Right now, it's just this, this list. And see what you have to do to begin to get, you know, to f see their requirements. Earn time credits. The you need to go through two assessments in order to get. You start everyone starts with 10 earn time credits. You need to go through two assessments to get 15 earn time credit to go from 10 to 15 earn time credits a month. The first the 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 law says from the first step back that one uh pro the first program statement I showed you says that you have to have that within for 30 days. And that first, at that first program statement, then the second one is within six months. That is the second, um, second assessment. 
And by that second assessment, you should have, you then should be able to get your second, um, getting your second set of now 15 earn time credits a month. My suggestion is that as I turn my phone ringer off so it doesn't interrupt me, um, if it doesn't happen at that time, ask your case manager why not. We're going to go through now the different programs. But before we get into it, I discussed dementia. If you know someone or if you're if you're an attorney and you have a client that is pre-dementia or is looking at dementia, their pre-sentence report has not been done yet. There is one uh, federal prison in the country that has one bed uh that has it's a medical center that has one wing for prison for uh, those with dementia 35 beds the another attorney Faye Spence and I contributed two chapters that was published in a book by the American Bar Association titled representing people with dementia there's the cover but that is all there is one bed or rather one wing, 35 beds in the country. We're now going into the programs. The, the needs assessment, there were 13. And here are the 13 needs. Anger, antisocial peers, cognitions, dyslexia, education. These are the 13 needs that are associated with uh, criminogenic needs that need to be that your case manager needs to see incremental reductions in in order for in order for really they need to see for your improvements and then with that they can it's at one at an appropriate point unbeknownst to you they will offer or they will could implement the Second Chance Act, as well as writing a recommendation to the halfway house in your behalf. If you refuse to make your financial responsibility plan or to make those payments, then it's good luck. So they're based in, they are broken down into two categories. There's evidence-based recidivism reduction. And again, you could be asked to take any one of these classes you know you could be um you it, it could be you could be a banker and they could ask you to take emotional self regula uh, regulation or <clears throat> life connections program or i mean any one of these programs say thank you if you are someone who is autistic, skills program, there's only two locations in the country, really. So that is um, something that you and your attorney should 
display close, close attention to. Next are productive activities. The healthier me, these are for women. A matter of balance, they may tell you to walk around the track. Okay, say thank you. Whatever they tell you to do. Alcoholics Anonymous, if you're if you're if your charge was related to and you and this was a crime where alcohol was involved, possibly, then if the feds were asking questions before you went to trial or before the plea deal, hopefully you started at home and you enrolled in Alcoholics Anonymous or if it was Narcotics Anonymous or Gamblers Anonymous, any of those programs you started on your own ahead of time will be helpful to you later on. Definitely. Because it will then become part of your pre-sentence report. And you will have gotten into the drug program that much easier. So these are all the programs and so as you fill out the, uh, the, the, the risk assessment question, when they ask you, have you looked at the programs? You can say, yes, you've looked at all of them. Maybe you wanted to get a job, prison industries. So they're all here for you to go ahead and be able to look and read. And each one of them, if you're diabetic, open that up. And this is the program. It brings it right to you. And this is everything that you need to know about the program itself. And it goes through the program. There's not much here, but this is all that there was on the program. We've been through the pattern score. As soon as you felt you were a target, if people are telling you, I know that patients came in to me and they told me the first patient came in and said, FBI came in, they said they wanted to know if they if you did surgery on them, if I did surgery on them. And the patients told them yes. And they showed them the scar and everything and how long the surgery was. And I said, okay. And I thought it was nutty. And then they, another patient came in a couple of months later and said the same thing. The minute somebody comes in and if someone, if you hear that the feds are asking questions, call your attorney and get right to it because I thought it was all a big mistake. It was nothing, but it's not because the Department of Justice at that point has, has their case. And right now they're just kind of pulling together the strings, if you will, but they already have a case against you. So, you know, you need to decide, you need your attorney. You need to then make sure that your attorney has a white collar practice, practices federal criminal defense. I've had, I've, I've spoken to clients that have had attorneys that they part-time, they, I mean, they have, they practice in state and federal court. You want clients, you want attorneys that just do federal criminal defense and only in federal criminal court. 
then they, you want them to have done cases like yours. Then you want to see if you can speak to couple, a couple of their clients that have had cases like yours. I mean, you know, they're not, if they're, no one wants to go to prison, but they may have some clients that are willing to talk to you. After that, maybe they'll let you see. You want to see several sentencing memorandums. They're, they'll tell you, well, there's HIPAA that you have to worry about. They're right. But if it's a PDF document, it can be redacted. And if it's not a PDF, then take black magic marker. But you just want to make sure that they look different. Because if they all look the same, next, you want to see another attorney. And then lastly, once you all get along and the financing is okay, or the financial part's okay, you want to make sure that when they ask you to do something, please do what they ask you to do um, because you're paying them for their expertise. And you want to hold them, you want to hold each other accountable so that if that you want to make sure that if you're going to ask them for to do something or to respect your wishes, that they'll at least take it under advisement. They're going to give you a long list of documents that you're going to have to prepare or get copies of before your pre-sentence interview to be able to be given to your um, probation officer. And so that's going to be biographical background and identification background information from you personally. And it'll be copies of financial, medical, so, you know, personal but you're also going to need to put together your narrative and your release plan because you want all of this to be part of your pre-sentence report and you want it to be presented together with your all of your copies of everything to your pre-sent to your uh probation officer and this is a this is a big deal you are, let me see if I have this outlined a little more detail here, or I don't want to repeat myself more than 20 times. Okay. So you want to have from your narrative, it's going to be your story right now. The department of justice has released their narrative of you through your indictment. So what is the narrative? Tesla has their brand. It's their, the brand of their car. It's their That's their narrative. It's their story of their car. Nike's narrative of their shoes is their story of their product, of their, of their sneakers, is their brand. Right now, your brand is your indictment. It's probably not all that flattering. So you need to take time. I mean, it's going to take every day of two, three months to start with the story from, you know, going through it's your autobiography of everything you've done from childhood till now, till today. Um, you know, what you've been through, you know, you were brought up in, in a, in a loving home, in a poverty home, in a, you went to school you went to high school, you went to college, or, you know, you were home where the parents fought, or was it 
a loving home? Was it well-to-do? Was it poor? Were the parents at home all the time? Or was it parents in, or were they in jail? Was it a drug home where and you need to go through, it, it's going to be hard, um, but you need to go through in detail every aspect of your life. And when it and what brought you, what motivated you to step by step, you know, what did you do in college? Did you work your way through college? Did you go to college? And then what caused you to do what you did that we when you were, you know, where are you a government employee? Were you in did you were you in business? Did you start your business? Did you ever go bankrupt? Did you not go bankrupt? Did you, you know, for me it was I was in practice. Um, then I went ahead and went to start a surgery center. What happened? Why did, you know, I took the, took the easy way out when I, you know, I started correctly building a surgery center, but then I started billing for the surgery center fees before I actually got the certification. And, you know, and how did I end up on that slippery slope? You need to go through all of those steps. And there were other factors in there that you need to go into that I never, I wasn't prepared because I, I didn't have, I didn't know about these things. So I never wrote this, but it probably would have been very helpful for me to go through this exercise because when you're done, it will be very cathartic for you. There's no guarantee that it's going to help, but it will humanize you to your probation officer, to your attorney, and to the judge, and ultimately to the case manager in the BOP. And as long as you're honest and it, the distilled version will through humanizing you to the court can do nothing but, but help you. But if you're dishonest, then don't write anything because it can only hurt you. Your release plan. It's the same thing. It's a variation on the narrative, but you know, like the narrative, you accept responsibility. You have remorse for what you've done. You understand that you have caused the victim's pain, you know, pain, and that you know you that you owe it to the victims first, community second, the court third, family fourth, and yourself last to take the time while you're in prison through the programs that are available and change your way so that you don't want to come back to this courtroom again either. And this is your allocution, which is your conversation with the judge. And we've covered now the release plan. <clears throat> life lessons admiral mcraven this is the admiral that led the attack on bin laden but it's a very good short 
15 minute YouTube and I recommend it highly. I, I realized that while life is crashing around all of us, there's no bullets. And so he gives a, a very clear eyed from a different perspective on how to change your future. So while you're doing all this work, your attorney is also working. And so all of this is not really meant for me to tell the, telling the attorney what to do. It's mostly for me showing you what your attorneys are doing. And so what the attorney is doing while you're after the guilty verdict, he and the attorney, he, she is giving you, you know, what you need to begin to put together as far as getting copies of, they need to understand the, what these the final dictation deadline date that the probation officer, probation officer has where they have to complete the, the official pre-sentence report. When is that due date? Because that is the date that, while that's the date they have to have their information into their supervisor, that gives your attorney a, a kind of a timeline by which they have to have all their information done. They also need to learn about the judge's likes and dislikes. It's important. And, you know, and if they have trouble finding that, then they know that they're, you know, they can speak to a local federal defender. Um, but, you know, they don't want to do anything if they're not familiar with that local judge to offend them. If, you have a if there's a if there's a current treating uh, psychiatrist psychologist if there is a an important medical or medication issue then that particular physician it is strongly recommended that they appear at the sentencing hearing along with having a written um affidavit if you will uh, but it, judges like to like to ask questions and while they like that while it's having an expert witness is there is good too they know that judges know that these are physicians for hire but they want to have the actual treating physician there too and cuz they're going to ask these doc these doctors questions if it is if this is a critical of critical nature, the I should have the BOP does not take orders from the from the judge. Uh, you need to have your attorney. Let's see here. This could be no. That's not it. I will try and remember to come back to that, but they need to have, um, you need to have your attorney speak to the BOP attorney um, or have the BOP attorney appear in court also. And I will attempt to find that for you before I close this out. If you're having trouble finding an expert, ask the prosecutor who they recommend. 
this could pay dividends for your attorney on many levels because if they're willing to give you the recommend their experts then it's good to have them for your attorney to have that in their pockets character letters character letters are important very important first these are letters about character not about anything else you don't want a letter from someone saying that um that this is how you should uh, telling a judge how to sentence you second the character letter is if you have a character letter about someone who is willing to rehire you after you are released from prison because of your 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 character and your skill set then that's you know a class a a great letter and you should be included if there are lots of character letters only include a few and then note in the sentencing memorandum that the probation officer has another 50 and they all say similar things. <clears throat> when, when the, and then for sure that your attorney, when they're going to be speaking with your probation officer, they're going to be filled. You know, it's a given that they're familiar with the sentencing guidelines and the, let me see if I have this here. Uh, and the public scene. Yeah, it's going to be, they're going to be familiar with the sentencing guidelines as well as the BOP public safety factors. And, and so they can challenge, if you will, what they, what the probation officer feels is the appropriate um, offense level versus uh, criminal history score for you, as well as public safety factors. For example, oh. so this is loading. So this would be, <clears throat> you have, there's, for public safety factors, there's a point level, and that's directly related to whether you're high, medium, or low. And then we're going to come back. That works. Okay. Whoops. What did I do there? No. Got mixed up. Okay. Next that so we've gone through this. Dictation deadline, we've done that. Probation officer, we've gone through that. So now we're just looking for sending memorandum. We've done that. So the only other thing I need to find out is, let me see. Is we're going to do I'm going to look for no
That's where I was already. And I think um right. So here is the BOP drug list. And on the BOP's formulary drug list, which is taking a long time to load, okay, okay. All right. Court orders. Court orders recommending or ordering specific treatments or drugs, if you will, be referred to the appropriate BOP attorneys. All such recommendations are still subject to non-formal approval process. So it's treatments or drugs. And so they're and they these the lawyers are gridded out by geographic reason region, of which I have a list and I can't. I have it here in the BOP website or rather in my website, but I don't believe that that is available here. No, it's not. So I hope that all of you have found this helpful and I am going to stop this. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. It's been a little bit longer. And should you have any questions, please feel free to either reach out to me. The Definitely the, the website is the same. And I wish all of you a safe day. And I hope you had a safe Memorial Day weekend.